at Calvary Gospel Church believe that when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that you do indeed speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Now, you hear a lot of things about speaking in tongues, and a lot of, a lot of those things are, are, I feel, misrepresented, or they're represented in a way or a place that is quite out of context uh, with the particular tenor of the Scripture itself. First uh, Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul addressing this church that was having some difficulty in the area of spiritual gifts has this to say, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. All right, you may be seated. Sonny, I'm going to ask you to just turn this off. Okay. This would be better for you if I just speak through this mic. I have a little cough, and it, this thing's planted right against my chest, and I don't know how it sounds out there, but it doesn't sound so good up here. So I can always turn away from this one, but I can't turn away from this one. Now, we have been addressing you concerning the importance of a proper attitude. And I think the, the, the character of an individual is inseparable from his attitude. Uh, there are some fine lines of the makeup of an individual which uh, uh, seem to be indescribable. Uh, does your attitude create character, or does your character create attitude? You know, like the old saying, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, we actually know that the chicken came first. But on the other hand, all other chickens after that came forth from eggs. So uh, <clears throat> the original chickens, the pair that God created... He created them for the, before the egg. But then on the other hand, all other chickens, there was an egg before there was a chicken. And <coughs> it's hard for us to determine <coughs> what actually precedes the other. Does our attitude come from, from the fruit of the Spirit or from our character? Or does our character come as a result of our attitude? It's very, very difficult at this point point and stage in the development of many people to determine uh, what causes what. But we do know there's a close relationship between the two. Now the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians the 12th chapter outlines spiritual gifts. He tells the church what those gifts are. 
Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now the Apostle Paul addresses the subject openly. That's what I plan on doing here today. While I will not uh, address it in the exact way that the Apostle Paul does, because we want to cover a particular segment in which he does not cover, but yet we do want to clearly define what he is talking about. If you notice in verse 1, the word gifts is in italics. Italics, that's the slanted type writing in your Bible, which simply means that it did not appear in the original text. So, we should understand that. So what Paul was saying, now concerning spirituals, and we do pluralize this because in the original it is, now concerning spirituals, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now we do know that the word gifts can be understood there. And the reason why is because when you get down in verse 4, He said, now there are diversities of gifts, not in italics, but in your regular print you find gifts. That simply means that it did appear in the original text. Now, if you notice then in verse 10, he says when he's outlining the spiritual gifts, he's already outlined several of them, He said, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now, the word divers here also appears in italics, which simply means that it did not appear in the original text. So the original text here would say, to another kinds of tongues. Now the word kinds here simply means different types. And so this is why they put the word divers. The word divers simply means strange tongues. Now the reason why that I want to and feel that I must address this particular subject because it's so misunderstood in the religious world. We may even have some people here who have never in their lifetime heard of the church are the members of the church speaking with a language in which they never learned. Now that may be your particular uh, case. Now if this be your particular case, uh, we in no way are trying to be critical. We, we certainly want to operate uh, by the very same auspices that the Apostle Paul operated by, and that is having the spirit of love, uh, I think that it is easy for us to rise up sometimes with a wrong attitude and display things that are not right. Now when I say display, I'm talking about display attitudes that are not right. And so with a lot of love and a lot of concern, I come to you and address you in this particular subject. Now, when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, first of all, if you turn back to, to Matthew, the third chapter, if you would. Matthew, the third chapter, verse 11. Now this, 
is John the Baptist speaking here. John the Baptist says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I. Now who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. John was the man who said, I must decrease, yet he must increase. Now John was a Baptist. By that I mean he baptized. So he was called the Baptist. Now there is a particular denomination today that bears his name. Now the first Baptist says that I'm going to decrease, but he will increase. For some reason, the followers of John didn't get his message. See? Now please take what I'm saying as, as uh, coming from a real heart of concern and a heart of love. The first Baptist had this to say, I baptize you with water, but he who's coming after me that's mightier than I, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, as you look throughout the Bible, you will find that there are quite a number of, of uh, words or phrases that are used relative to uh, salvation. Now, salvation, the word salvation simply means to preserve. Just like you would take uh, uh, take berries and uh, cook them and put them in a jar, and you preserve those. Those are called sometimes preserves by a lot of people. Now that simply means that it's sealed, it's locked in, it's preserved. Okay, the word salvation means to preserve. Now the reason why that the word salvation occurs so much in the Bible is because that we who Possess fallen nature. We who are, are on our road to destruction by virtue of the particular situation that we were born under, that is the cloud of sin and satanic powers and forces. See? Jesus Christ was to come upon the scene as promised by John and he was to baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He was to take the inner man, the soul, the spirit, and he was to preserve it. Now the Apostle Paul speaks of that preservation that would make us blameless in the presence of God. He is to preserve us blameless into the presence of God. Now, when you read your Bible, though, you'll find a lot of terms that have overlapping meanings. While they do not always mean the same, the connotation in many cases are the same. An example, what is the gospel? You find the word gospel used in the Bible. The gospel simply comes from a, a Latin phrase, or <coughs> that's correct, a Latin phrase, God's spell, which means good news. Now, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord. Jesus Christ died, he was buried, and he arose. It was through his death, burial, and resurrection that, that preservation 
or salvation is given to you. Now the word salvation also incorporates the, the meaning of deliverance. So you will find in the Bible that uh, especially in the epistles that the these writers of those epistles, which are letters written to churches, they talk constantly ab about deliverance, that God has delivered you from the bondage of sin. He has delivered you from the bondage of iniquity. He has delivered you from the chains of everlasting darkness. So you find that word deliverance, deliverance and salvation come from the basic same root word. You'll also find the word born again. In John the third chapter, you find Jesus talked to a man by the name of Nicodemus. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus about this, uh, Nicodemus didn't understand, but Jesus came back and clarified the statement somewhat by saying that which is born of flesh is flesh. And the reason why he said it, because Nicodemus thought that he was talking about a natural birth. He said, uh, can I go back to my mother's womb the second time and be born again? Jesus said, no, Nicodemus, that which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. Then he goes on to say, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But thou canst not tell from whence it cometh, nor whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So, the birth of the Spirit. So, we, we, in other words, we're, we're getting back around now to the same thing that we started out talking about, and that is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, <clears throat> the born-again experience that Jesus Christ spoke to Nicodemus about in, in, in which uh, was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Now we know that it was not fulfilled while Jesus was here because according to John 7, Jesus Christ said that, that the Holy Ghost was not yet given because he was not yet glorified. But now he did say that uh, there would be a, a parallel in everybody's relationship. He said, The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but thou canst not tell from whence it cometh, nor whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now, according to my Bible, you cannot make it to heaven without the Spirit of Jesus Christ. See? The Bible says, if we have not the Spirit of Christ, we are none of His. The Bible also tells us that the same Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead must dwell in your mortal bodies in order to do what? To quicken you in the day of the Lord. Jesus Christ is going to come back. So we have the, the born again or the new birth experience. Now <clears throat> we find the word saved mentioned in the Bible. We find the word redeemed mentioned in the Bible. So all of these phrases, even though they do not in every case mean exactly the same, there, there is a, the, a connotation, there is a tenor, there is a connection that flows throughout these particular phrases or words that I have spoken to you about.
Now John says the Lord will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, we know that when Jesus Christ was glorified, after his death, burial, and resurrection, he ascended up into heaven. He sent his apostles into Jerusalem to tarry for the promise of the Father. Now, the promise of the Father was the promise that Jesus Christ had given. Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. Now, what was that promise? That you would, that you would receive the Comforter. The promise of the Father was the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Now, they went into Jerusalem, and the Bible says that they continued in the temple praising God, and they continued there for a duration of time. Exactly how long, we're not for sure. Uh, most people believe it was ten days. Some believe it was seven days. And uh, because it happened on the Feast of Pentecost, which means 50 days after the resurrection, or 50 days after the crucifixion. And there seems to be a little cloud in the scriptures to where you start counting. That's the reason why that we're not for sure. Jesus Christ ministered for 40 days and 40 nights on the earth. And then he re was received up into heaven. So if you start counting from the time in which he died, then they stayed in Jerusalem 10 days. If you start counting from the day of the resurrection, then they stayed in Jerusalem 7 days. Now all of that seems to be quite irrelevant, except for this reason, that, that God wanted all of the people, all nations of the world, gathered there into Jerusalem so that when the Holy Ghost was poured out, that that everybody would know about it. So when the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts the second chapter, and it'd be wise for us to just turn there just for a moment and, and read what happened. For the sake of you who have not read this, now we'll skip scriptures here, and the reason why we'll skip some of the scriptures, you can take the time to read them all if you'd like. Because we do not have time in our Bible study today to cover all of the scriptures relative to this. The Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Those were the, the disciples that, that heard that uh, Jesus Christ or saw his ascension. Uh, those are the disciples that heard his commandments. Those are the disciples that went into Jerusalem to tarry for that promise. All right? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, if you notice what happened in John the third chapter when Jesus Christ gave to Nicodemus the outline of the plan of salvation. Now, we use the word plan as we would use the word plan for a building. In other words, how do we get this building built? We must have a plan. It has to be submitted for approval. God had an approved plan in which that this temple, this house, that was to house the presence of God, would be constructed. And so, in verse 8 of John 3, when Jesus spoke of the, the new birth, that is the, the spiritual birth, and we're emphasizing the birth of the Spirit, not the birth of the water, but the birth of the Spirit. It was to come like a wind. You're not going to know where it came from nor where it goes, but there will be a parallel in everybody's experience. 
Now, when I say a parallel in everyone's experience, he said, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. There will be a particular parallel in everybody's experience. So is everyone. Now, that means all. Now, if you want to make a good, thorough study of the word all, you go get a Strong's Concordance, get a Webster's Dictionary, okay, and you study it. I made a good, thorough study. The word A-L-L means all. Okay? Now, <clears throat> now here's what happened, okay? The, the Bible says that they were, they, they, they were in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared in them clothing tongues like as a fire, and it set up on each of them. Now, clothing tongues here, clothing tongues here, like as a fire. Now, some people think that this is the tongue that they were speaking with. No. If you notice what happens, there appeared in them clothing tongues like as a fire, and it set up on each of them. In other words, there were tongues of fire like fire, that, that came and rested upon each of them. Now this happened here upon each of them. Now we do not find in the scripture where these clothing tongues appear to anybody else. Now this is not the divers kinds of tongues. This is the tongue of fire. Okay? And it set upon each of them. It was like Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ was baptized of John... The Holy Ghost came like as a dove and set upon him. Now, like as a dove, it does not mean, when it says the Holy Ghost appeared like as a dove, that there was a literal dove that flew out of heaven and rested upon Jesus Christ's shoulder. The Bible says that that dove remained or rested there. Now, that simply means that throughout his ministry... That that was there. That does not mean that Jesus Christ went around all of his ministry with a dove on his shoulder. But it simply means that the Holy Ghost rested upon him like as a dove. A dove is noted for its gentleness, for its kindness. It's easy to be entreated. If you notice... What Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, he speaks of love. He says that it's easy to be entreated. And so, Jesus Christ had that particular attitude. He had that particular spirit. Now, when these clothing tongues, like as a fire, set up on each of them, the Bible says, then something else began to happen. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost... And then they began to speak with other tongues, or divers' tongues in this case, as the Spirit gave the utterance. Now they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Now the reason why I think it's so important to stand here and talk about this, you know there are certain things that seem to be so sacred that you don't want to talk about. Really, there's, there, I've had experiences with God that I considered so sacred that I just didn't want to talk about it. However, God went to a lot of extent 
to a lot of trouble to explain in the Scripture this particular subject that I'm dealing with today. And if God spent the time and took, or took the time and went through the trouble that he went through, because dealing with people is always a problem, and holy men of old wrote these scriptures. All right? The Bible says that they spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, thou canst not tell from whence it cometh, nor whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. They spake with tongues as they began to utter. Now naturally their tongues were uttering. Their physical tongues were uttering. But on the other hand, it was the Spirit that was flowing out of them that enabled them to speak a language in which they had never learned. Now, there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of na every nation under heaven. Now, that simply means, and they're listed there, about 13 different nationalities are listing there, listed there. These people from all over the world were there, and they heard them speak with other tongues. Now the Bible says, <clears throat> in verse 12, they were all amazed. You know, one of the most amazing spiritual and scriptural experiences is speaking with other tongues. It is a very, very amazing experience. And every time the Lord, and I say this humbly, I'm not saying this to be bragging or to be boasting, but this morning... When I got out of my bed, I knelt by the bedside and I began to pray and I felt the Spirit of the Lord come upon me. And all of a sudden I began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And as I began to speak, it just seemed to overwhelm me. And the reason why that overwhelmed me, because I constantly hear men of the cloth on the radios, in the newspapers, in magazines and various other areas of communication that you might also want to, to uh, either view or listen to, constantly say that religion is an intangible thing. Now let me ask you this. Since when did God want religion to be intangible? We live in a very real physical world. And the greatest commodity you will ever deal with is your own soul. Jesus said, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? Now when it comes to the salvation of the soul of man, that salvation was never predicated upon a feeling that you have inside or some guesswork or figment of the imagination. They literally spake with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now, all these people who heard it, they were very, very amazed. And they said, what meaneth this? Now, there were some, however, even though they were amazed, they wanted to mock it. They made mockery of it. I'll tell you one thing. <coughs> Jesus, Jesus warned his disciples about the possibility of blaspheming. He said, against the Son of Man... 
that is, God, in his physical robe, you may be able to bring accusation and get by with it. But he warned men of the devastating consequences of making fun or blaspheming against the Holy Ghost. You get in serious trouble with God in a hurry when you begin to mock the things of the Spirit. Serious trouble. And I might also just add this. It it appears to me that the real experts on the subject are the people who know nothing of it. The people who have all the answers and tell you all the things as to why you ought not to receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with tongues are usually ministers who wouldn't even dare give a thought to participating in such an experience. Now, Peter stood up with the eleven. And he said, Ye men of Judea, and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now what did Joel say? Joel said, In the last days I will pour out my spirit. Now, he associated their speaking with tongues with the pouring out of the spirit. Now see, he made that association. When they began to speak with other tongues, he said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that thus saith the Lord, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit upon... What? Upon what? I wonder what that means. You see, this is why then... This is why in verse 39, notice verse 39 of Acts 2, he said the promise. What promise are you talking about? The same promise that's spoken of in Luke 24. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Those are Jesus' last words to his disciples. The promise is unto you and to your children... And to, and to what? And to what? I wonder what that word means. And to all that are far off. I wonder how far we are from Jerusalem. You know, in second thought, I don't reckon it really makes any difference, does it? We're a long ways from where this began. But yet, it does not make any difference to God. And we're many generations from that particular event. But notice what he says. He says, The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, if God's calling you, and there are many called, but few are chosen, but if God's calling you today, this promise is yours. I mean, this promise is yours. This promise specifically belongs to you. 
My, I wish I had a lot of time today. I sure feel good talking about this. But let me go back now to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. <coughs> now notice we're talking about the gift over here, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Here, however, we find the word gift. And would you believe that the word gift here is not even taken from the very same Greek word that gift is taken from that denotes gift of the Holy Ghost? Now, I told you to turn to 1 Corinthians 13. At the same time, I'd like for you, if you would, you can just follow along the way I'm doing this, to, to turn to Acts the 8th chapter. All right? <clears throat> Acts 8 verse 20. There was a man by the name of Simon who was a sorcerer that wanted to purchase the Holy Ghost. Now he wanted to purchase. So when Simon saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, what did he do? According to verse 18, he offered them money. Now, he said, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost, or the gift of the Holy Ghost, or be baptized with the Holy Ghost. All right? Now, verse 20 says, But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Now the word promise that's, that's given back there and gift, there is a connection. While there is a distinct difference in a particular case, there is a connection. Let's say that you're having a birthday party and all of a sudden we say, we're going to have a party in your honor. Now, basically what we're doing when we give you a party, we are promising certain things. A birthday party is a promise of a gift. Now, while there are some promises that, as we would, would like to think, that have evil connotations, like you, you tell somebody, I promise you I'm going to beat your head in. But now that's not what it means back there. You see, the scripture back there associates the promise and the gift. The association is a feasible association. The connection is that I'm going to give you something good. Luke 13 explains this, or Luke 11, about the good gifts that God gives. And he associates those good gifts with how much more shall your heavenly Father know how to give the Holy Ghost to them that ask Him? See? He associates it with good things. So, notice what he says. To think that the gift of God can be purchased with money. The word gift here simply means present. I'm going to bring you a nice present. It is the gift of God. Now... Notice the scripture does not say the gift from God. He says the gift of God. A gift from God could be what? It could be a new car. Does God ever give you new cars? 
It could be a new home. Does God give you new homes? It could be a new suit. Those are gifts from God. But the gift of God simply means that God gives him self. It's the gift of, not the gift from. So God gives you a present. Now, present is something that you do not earn. It's something that costs you nothing. It's something that you didn't work for. It's free. It's yours. What did I do to deserve this? Nothing. Well, why are you doing it for me? Because I want to do it for you. But what have I done? Nothing. And may I also insert something here. Friend, when you get up to heaven and you stand before the judgment seat of the Lord to receive your reward, and when the Lord passes out your reward, and He says, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. I will assure you when you have your total spiritual body, that it will never cross your mind. I'm getting this because I deserve it. You'll say it's by His grace and His grace alone. Now in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, the word gift is used here. But in 1 Corinthians 12, The word gift does not mean present. And this is the reason why that there is so much confusion in 1 Corinthians the 14th chapter relative to some of the vernacular used by the Apostle Paul about speaking with tongues. Now Paul is trying to differentiate between the gift, the present, and another gift. Now notice what happens. What happens here, Paul says, to everyone is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, verse 8. Now by the Spirit, what Spirit are we talking about? The Spirit of Christ. We're talking about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Ghost. By this gift of God, God's Spirit that is given to me, God's Spirit that's resonant in me, by that Spirit there is given to me spiritual gifts. Now the word gifts here does not mean other presence. It simply means abilities and talents. Oh, I'm really amazed at how some people are so talented in certain areas. I, you know, we have some men and women in our, in our congregation that, that amaze me with their talents. Sister Ida Crowder played the, the, the organ last Sunday. And uh, was that last Sunday watch night service, wasn't it? And uh, I never heard her play before. In fact, she just started playing the piano not long ago. 
And I'm just amazed at how, how she's picked up on this. Uh, when we started a home missions church, uh, we, we prayed for Sister Grant's mind and prayed for her hands. And she learned three songs a week on the accordion. And we sung only those songs that she'd learned. We didn't tell anybody that's all we do. But we spent all week long practicing. Boy, she'd play the accordion. and and uh, Now, I was going to learn the guitar, you know. And I, I got so far as learning Pop Goes a Weasel. And that's as far as I got. I simply did not possess the ability. I didn't have the talent. My wife, however, while I was tr still trying to get the second go-around of Pop Goes a Weasel, she was on her third hymn. I said, how can you do this? She said, you hear the music. I said, listen, I can hear anything you can hear. <laughs> but it didn't work for me. And so when the Scripture here says, when the Scripture says that there are certain gifts that are given by the same Spirit, the correct interpretation of that is, there are certain endowments, certain talents, certain abilities that are given by that gift that costs you nothing. Some people speak with tongues and some people interpret and some prophesy and some lay hands upon the sick. Some are given a word of wisdom and some are given a word of knowledge. Some possess the particular ability to discern things that are wrong in your spirit. See? All of these things reside in God. And when you get God... That's there. But the gift of tongues that is spoken of in 1 Corinthians 12 rather, and 1 Corinthians 14 should be followed by an interpretation. The tongues that they spoke of or with in Acts 2 that Jesus spoke of in John 3 that particular tongue comes as a sign or evidence that you have received the present. Now you may say, why? Because in John 3 verse 8, I'd like for you to turn there if you would. I think we have enough time. I'm, I'm running out of time quickly. We've already quoted it, but I want you to look at it. Thou hearest the sound. Let's you say the word sound. Sound. Thou hearest what? The sound. Let's say it again. Thou hearest what? The sound. But thou canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone. Let's say that. Everyone. Let's say it together. Everyone 
that is born of the Spirit. Let's say Spirit. Spirit. Okay. Now Jesus said there will be a parallel in everyone's experience. Okay. Now here's what it's going to be. It's going to be like a wind and you'll hear the sound of it. See. Now in Acts the second chapter. When Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost. And he began to preach. He said the things that you now see and hear. See. They saw with their eyes. But they heard with their ears. See. And he was talking about those people in that upper room. He said the things that you now see and the things that you now hear. Now that's what he said. Now. If you will notice in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verse 10, it says, To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, divers kinds of tongues. Now, when it says to another, does that lead you to believe that everybody speaks with tongues? This tongue? Not this. Not the gift. Because this is the gift of tongues. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you don't receive the gift of tongues. You receive the gift of God. And there is a vast difference between what he's talking about here and what is found in Acts the second chapter. You may say, Brother Grant, how do you how can you really determine that? That's why 1 Corinthians 14 was written. Because some of the Corinthians, because they spoke with tongues when they received the Holy Ghost, and they continue to speak with tongues as they edified themselves. When they all got together, you see, they understood that some of them spoke in tongues and some interpreted. And so they all tried to just speak in tongues, but there was no interpretation. And so people would come in their midst and they were just talking in tongues and talking in tongues. And it was not followed by the phenomenon experience of the interpretation. And they just know oh, what's going on here. That's why Paul wrote what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 14. What does he say in 1 Corinthians 14? He said, do, do all speak with tongues? What's he talking about? He's talking about the gift of tongues. Why does he say, question mark, do all speak with tongues, question mark? Why does he say that? Because he says in 1 Corinthians 12, speaking of the special endowment or talent to one is given this to another is given this to another is given this to another is given this but when the Holy Ghost comes the gift of God when it comes and you begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance It is not followed by an interpretation, and in all probability, you will never know what you are saying. 
The Spirit, however, maketh intercession according to the words of Paul to the church at Rome. Now, I want to just openly talk to you from the very depths of my heart. This is a very, very sacred thing, and I, I, would, I would just like to caution anybody here not to just run out. and If you don't understand what I'm saying, don't just run out and be critical. You get yourself in real trouble with God. You know, you need to you need to sit down and search out the truth of the matter. You may not understand what we're what I'm saying. But I, I'm very, very, very careful to pass any judgment upon anything in the area of the work of the Holy Ghost unless I know that it's wrong. I may not encourage people to participate. I may not encourage people to uh, to gravitate toward that. But at the same time, until I search out the truth of the matter, I'm very careful to pass judgment on it. Even sometimes when there are big question marks in my mind. Why? I can point to you countless of times in the Scripture where people got in real trouble with God when they criticized the things of God. I very well remember <coughs> April 15, 1961, when the Lord baptized me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Do I speak with tongues? Everybody does that receives the Holy Ghost. At least that's what my Bible says. You may say, but I just thought all I had to do was just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. See, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ brings about the gift of God. But there's a vast difference between your personal belief and God's infilling of the Holy Ghost. See, some people have what, we, what I would call a beliefism doctrine. See? They, you ask them, what, what, what is salvation? They say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is something you do, friend. And if you can call that a gift from God, something you do, you're way off base. It's not by works. Not by anything that you do. You may say, does that mean I shouldn't believe? No, that's not it at all. The gift of God cometh by faith. It simply means that whatever he said, you compliment God by saying, yes, I believe. The greatest compliment you can give God is say, Lord, I believe you. You know, you go to a party. Let's say that they're having a birthday party for you and you go there and all of a sudden somebody brings out a gift for you. You say, no, not, oh, not for me. I didn't expect a gift. Not, come on, you're lying between your teeth. You know good and well that's what parties are all about. Oh, I didn't expect that. You shouldn't have done it. If you hadn't got one, you would have been sad all evening, maybe all week. <clears throat> Come on. You came expecting it. You came believing. And if you come to God not expecting and not believing, you make a mockery. Of the integrity of our God. 
But when you come as a wretched sinner like me, and you say, Lord, I have repented of my sins. I have been washed clean in baptism in your name. And here I am. I expect the Holy Ghost. I believe it. You know the reason why a lot of people are not receiving the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with tongues? Because they don't expect it. Believing is expecting. Now you cannot separate the two. If you can tell me how you can believe for something, don't expect it. I'd like to know how. Because believing is accepting in your mind that it's going to happen. Like one man told me, he said, well, I prayed for the Holy Ghost three months, and just like I thought, I didn't get it. Now, he was of another faith, see. Well, my. He got exactly what he expected, yeah. He wasn't expecting anything, so he didn't get anything. See? But I remember when the Lord came down. I'm just going to tell you something. One of the most beautiful experiences up until that point that's ever took place in my life. God baptized me with the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden, my tongue got a little thick. My mind was resting on Him. I don't remember what I was saying. But all of a sudden, I felt this warmth of God. It was like the balmy breeze from the sea that blew across my soul. I'll tell you what. I felt the chills like the waves of the sea splashing against the shoreline. I felt the chills on my back. I felt it run up and down my arms. Hallelujah. Praise God. And all of a sudden, I began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, as the Spirit gave the utterance. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I was such a sick young man. Such a sick young man. 21 years of age, eaten up by stomach ulcer. God just came down and made me whole. Heal that stomach ulcer. Never had any problem with my stomach since. Praise God. Just, I'll tell you what. I'm not, try, I'm, I'm not trying to say, hey, you need to go someplace and try to speak in tongues. It has to be as the Spirit gives you. Energy. You have to be after the Spirit, see. If you're seeking for the endowment, that's spoken of in 1 Corinthians 12. You're, you're actually seeking God, and the Bible says, covet the best gifts. So you're actually seeking God for tongues. But when you receive the Spirit, you, you don't seek for tongues, you seek for the Spirit. Now this may be as clear as mud to some of you, but I promise you that we have quite a few people here in our assembly would be willing to help you and talk with you. Listen, it's not a strange thing. It may be strange to you because always in the area of the unknown, there's a lot of skepticism 
You know, if you I don't care what you're doing. You know, somebody told you to get on a space shuttle and go to the moon. Uh, what'd your feeling be? I mean, they don't don't put me on that space shuttle. <laughs> But you know, the truth of the matter is that uh, <clears throat> outer space travel, uh, up until this point, is uh, the safest travel we have. And why? Because we never lost anybody in space. But that sounds spooky to me. <laughs> and you know the reason why that this sounds so spooky to a lot of people? Because it really is the transformation of the spirit and the mind of man from the physical into the spiritual. From one kingdom into another. From one world to another. And I can assure you, it's a safe transformation. Because it has never killed anybody yet. It's made a lot of happy, successful people. Praise God. Don't you love Him? Let's lift our hands right now. And let's praise Him. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. My return is at hand. The conditions of the world are ripe for the return of the Son of Man. I have written in the pages of my word that I will come back. And I'm coming back after a spiritual church without spot or wrinkle. I have also declared in my word that the carnal mind cannot know the things of the Spirit because they're spiritually discerned. To be in my kingdom, your mind must be totally transformed. Your inner being must be changed. And so I walk among you in spirit form today to say that I would like to baptize you with my spirit to change you, to make you totally new. I allowed the prophet of old to write that I would take out your heart of stone and I would put in a heart of flesh, a heart of flesh so that you could feel after me and feel the needs of humanity around you. But yet you say in your own heart that you're well equipped. But yes, I say that you're wrong, for I know the things of the Spirit, for I am in the Spirit among you today. And I know that your mind is not able to discern the needs that are prevalent even in your own life. And so I stand at your heart's door and knock for an entrance. Would you open up and invite me in, saith the Lord.
sinner saved by grace a man who one day was on his road to hell held captive in the chains and bonds of sin preserved for darkness Satan was destroying my will sin is designed to do that I was making my grave with the wicked wallowing in a den of iniquity so unhappy but Jesus came by one day and he knocked upon my heart's door and he said John if you'll let me in I'll make a new creature out of you I'll change you I'll transform you I'll give you gates of pearl streets of gold and a mansion all of your own. I would have been so foolish to turn it down. Only a fool would walk away from such a beautiful thing. I feel like right now that God's talking to somebody. I know He is. He said He was. Why don't you get up from where you are and just come right down here, kneel on either side of our pulpit here today. Come on right now. Sir, why don't you give your heart to God? Father, come and give your heart to God. Mom, why don't you pour your heart out to God? Young man, it's worth it. Young lady, it's worth it. Why don't you come on right now? I love him. I love him. Because he first loved 